Hey goddess, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to share a little something with you. Now is not the time to add lose weight to that ever-growing to-do list. If like most women in their 40s or 50s, you're already the busiest being on the planet, looking after everyone else, the house, the career, the business, I know that spare time or energy doesn't exist. But this also means that you just don't feel good about yourself. You're often too exhausted, burned out, or even in pain, and your shape doesn't represent who you are or what you want out of life. So, if maybe you've loved the idea of joining us in our five-day program, but it was just too much commitment for your time or energy, don't worry, we got you. Our free masterclass gives you the concentrated version of our four-step superhero formula for body shape change. And we promise that if you give us 60 minutes, we will give you back hours. You can go and check that out right now and watch right this very instant at warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com forward slash masterclass where we promise that if you give us 60 minutes we will give you back hours all right let's dive into this week's episode welcome to the goddess got goals podcast episode number 68 Today, we have a special guest. We have yet another man joining the Goddess Cuckles podcast. We're expanding our reach. We're expanding the topics that we're talking about. And this one is a really interesting one. In fact, we're being braver here. We're being braver to want to really open up and dig deep into some topics that might leave you feeling a little uncomfortable, that might leave you feeling like, what the heck is going on? Um, And to really get this discussion open and today really we're cracking the doors open and we're covering a topic of healthcare corruption. Yep, we're going to talk about yep, pharmaceuticals, we're going to talk about hormones, we're going to talk about the medical practices, we're going to talk about money, we're going to talk about all of these things and why we're trying to do this with you today is not to scare you, not to shock you, um, but to empower you. Information is power and when you start to really um, investigate and study and learn and expose these inconsistencies, incongruities, um, downright corruption, downright, um, you know, just horrible things that are existing in the world right now. It's not to, to stress you out more. It's not to bring about more fear. It's really to help and empower you so that you can take responsibility for your own health, for your own body, and to make informed decisions that work best for you. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. There's just your decision and your responsibility. And we want to help and empower you to do just that. So my guest on the Goddess Got Goals podcast today, is Dr. Robert Yoho, who is a 60-year-old man and calls himself a healthcare whistleblower. He practiced medicine in the United States and retired just two years ago. He is board-certified emergency physician and cosmetic surgeon, and he's recently published two books, Butchered by Healthcare and Hormone Secrets. Um, He does have his own podcast where he talks about these things and has been a guest on many other podcasts, um, some of which gets majorly censored. So it's um, sometimes difficult for us to have the conversation without it actually being taken down. But we did our best in this amazing conversation today um, to just begin to scratch the surface for you to understand just where the healthcare system in your country, both the US and the UK and throughout Europe and in other countries, we talk about it globally, may not be supporting you to be your best self um, and what to do instead. So time to buckle up, time to listen, time to engage. I will promise to see you on the other side. Let's get started with exposing some of this healthcare corruption. I am so excited to invite the amazing Robert Yoho to the Goddess Cuckles podcast because we're going to dive deep into a juicy conversation today and I want him to share his story about healthcare corruption. So welcome, first of all, Robert, to the Goddess Cuckles podcast. How are you? 
thank you, Lisa. I'm fantastic now that I'm here with you. Oh, that's very kind of you to say so. Well, I'm hoping that we're going to have a really possibly kind of juicy discussion today because we're going to go no holes barred. We want to expose some truths here. And this might be, you know, quite heavy conversation. This might be quite information that you won't hear in a lot of places because I want for you for you to tell the audience like the book that you've created, which is about um, healthcare corruption and how you know doctors and governments are really butchering the health and medical, um, you know, the health and medical. There you go, butchered by healthcare. Thank you so much. We're going to talk about that book, but you know, you consider yourself a whistleblower, a healthcare whistleblower, and I feel like that's that's where we need to be, right? We need to be educating ourselves. We need to, you know, uh, pull back that curtain. We need to dive a bit deeper. And I really want to help, you know, you get this message out. So let's just start with a little bit about your story. Like when did you decide that, okay, now I need to step back from this and expose these things? Okay, so... People like me have a lot of different training, but I ended up doing cosmetic surgery most of my career. And I started treating my older women who I took care of with hormones because they felt so bad and because it helped their health so much. And I learned that the approach we have to hormones was corrupted by some unknown sources. And I couldn't figure out why there was so much information about um, cancer for estrogen and, uh, you know, heart disease for testosterone and progesterone had a black box warning on it also. That's an FDA warning that it was a nefarious drug. <clears throat> and I started diving into that and I soon understood that a lot of the information that we have about hormone therapy was a pack of lies. And then I step-by-step got further into general healthcare corruption. And I looked at one field after the other. And I mean, it's, it's a very crazy scene over here. Everything has sort of been ruined by throwing so much money at it. Um, we spend twice what any other developed country spends on healthcare per person, right? More twice what Britain spends, twice what Canada spends, twice what France spends. We spend around 20% of our gross domestic product but we have a lousy model. Our lives are shorter than yours and we are sicker, if you can imagine that. We've had this dysfunctional blend of capitalism and socialism. And so what happened was we let our corporations sort of go rogue, take all this money we were throwing on their heads and even go on to attack other countries. I mean, it's, it's a very right. crazy scene. Um, and we have tech companies, billionaires, our federal government and our pharma companies are all in on this scam. So, and you probably know this because you, you listen to what goes on across the pond, right? Yeah. They, they're quoting all this degenerate, politi politically correct nonsense to excuse their actions and excuse themselves. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy scene. So I, the way I, I, I put it to get people to understand what's going on is you may remember that Jay Leno went on a European tour and on his tour, he told his audiences, we ruined our culture here in America and we're coming over here to ruin yours. So, <laughs> so, so, so that's exactly what's happened. I mean, the, the whole, all the genesis of all this nonsense that we've seen is American, but it doesn't mean it isn't happening elsewhere. I mean, we've seen everything from Australia to Canada to the UK, which you guys seem to have regained your sanity. Um, we have regulators that weaponized coronavirus they they funded the whole crazy Wuhan lab in China, and we have proof that it includes email and money trails and even patents. So we 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 know what happened, and I got to say we're to blame, Lisa. It's not it's not you guys. I mean, there's there's some other conspirators, but uh, but it all it all sort of started with U.S. Uh, uh, ideas and U.S. insanity. Well, yeah, and uh, you you've hit the nail on the head with regards to that there may be the source of it, but we're such a global world right now. If anything, having a global pandemic has, has, has caused us to realize just how much of a knock-on effect 
one part of that like as you say the genesis can be to affect us all very quickly not just virally but also this the the you know spreading of the misinformation and everything else what i'd love to to uh, double back on is also where this really i know you shared about the hormone and i'm i probably in fact i will be inviting you back to talk about the hormone stuff because that is a big big uh part there he is showing his hormone um secrets see i'm shilling for my book yeah i don't make a dime i don't make a dime on all these efforts i mean i i've i've got enough to retire as a middle class guy and this is a full-time work for me and i uh so I wrote a book about hormones to begin with, trying to dispel some of the myths about that. And we're 100% going to have, have you back on for that particular thing, because I really want to pull that apart. I'm going to plug it. But, I'm going to plug yeah. it for 10 seconds. Okay, so we, we, we all know that hormones can make women feel better after the menopause. But what most people don't know is that if we put all women on estrogen at the time of their menopause, 80% of the Alzheimer's would be prevented. Alzheimer's, the most expensive, the, the most costly disease in America, and we would prevent well over half of it. And I know that sounds like a ridiculous claim, but nope. so what I did in Hormone Secrets was I stuck an appendix with 75 references in the back to prove that. And that's just an introduction to what hormones can do to help um, women uh, live better and feel better and probably live longer. Oh, fabulous. So yes, we can bookmark that into the diary for sure. What I would love for you to kind of touch on is the once you started that journey of, you know, the questioning that that, you know, the bit of, you know, investigation that you started to realize with definitely with the FDA, that's a good one to bring up. And you started to notice with the hormones, where did it go from there? Like, where did you finally go, hold on, this is not sitting with me anymore. You know, I feel the need to stand up and say these things and write a book. Like, what was the, what was the journey there? Okay. So <clears throat> it sort of coincided with the, you know, I turned 65, maybe I'm 68 now, um, when I, uh, finally retired and the whole thing about two years before I left medicine, I started looking at all this stuff and I was led down one road after another. And I can tell you, my work is not original. The only thing, <clears throat> the only thing original about it is I've got it all together in one place in a sort of corruption textbook, right? Butchered by healthcare. Um, and there's the picture of the guy in the white coat with all the gold in front of him. So that's the, essentially the, the original sin of healthcare is we gave, gave it unlimited funding. <clears throat> and this sort of induced the, uh, the capitalists and the criminals to get involved and cheat and lie and steal and do whatever they could. So I was led to study the insurance industry. I was led to study big pharma. I learned, I mean, the big pharma stories just go on and on and on. I've got about eight or nine chapters in butchered by healthcare about that. I was, I, I studied psychiatry, which in my opinion is the most corrupt specialty in America. And then the, the device makers, which are like orthopedic devices, they're just about as corrupt as pharma. I mean, it's just crazy. They they have very little control over what they do, and they sell all kinds of things that don't work. And then I studied the physician specialties, and I mean, it's one thing after the other. I mean, every specialty just about has an area where they're uh, they're doing things that are not well worked out scientifically and making a lot of money on it. So I mean, it's a fascinating series of stories. And at the end, I tried to work out um, some of the things that we could do as a society to tune things up and also things that we could do personally to try to cope with the mess. I mean, you almost need physician level expertise to navigate healthcare these days. And you know that over there, too. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you touched on the big pharma because that was one of the things in your book because I did read your book, loved it. I was like, <laughs> like every time I turned the page, it was like another shock. It was another shock, but not a shock really, because I really maybe knew deep down from my own research and study, but I'd love to dive more into the big pharma because honestly, I think that, you know, with, with recent 
uh, research that I've been doing about just immune systems full stop and immune compromised and, you know, uh, building immune system. I'm a great believer in the, the natural immune system and how to stay healthy so you don't get sick, so you don't need medical help. Um, but the biggest um, underlying and common thread through a lot of things, including COVID, was um, not just comorbidities like things that were affecting people who got it and why, why they died from it, but specifically the amount of medication. And then when I started to read just how much medication people are on, that's when I was like, what? Like, you know, I suppose for me, it, it was shocking because I've never, I've never taken med, I very rarely, I couldn't tell you the last time I took an antibiotic, couldn't, I don't even take headache tablets, um, any of those sorts of things because I don't need them, like, because I've put so much effort and time into a strong immune system and a body that feels good and hormone balanced you know, uh, proactively, but I'd love to dig a little deeper in that big pharma stuff. Like, I want to know, like, where did that take you? How did that start? And where did you go with that? Oh my God, it's a huge subject. But the thing that your listeners should understand is the basics. And the basics are that as measured by their criminal settlements with U.S. federal prosecutors, big pharma is the most criminal industry in history. Just think about well, that. They're their 22 yeah. largest payoffs are on a Wikipedia page of shame. I mean, it's just billions of dollars a year. And Pfizer is probably at the top of the list with Johnson and Johnson and GlaxoSmithKline. They all have individual settlements over $2 billion each. Now, when they settle these, these criminal cases, right, for bribes, kickbacks, marketing drugs, they knew beforehand killed people. After they settle these cases, their stock goes up. They make money every year, every year, year over year. So, for example, we've got a company named Merck, which knowingly slaughtered over 50,000 people marketing a drug called Vioxx. And they they got, uh, I think they got the record uh, settlement, but they should have gotten a $20 billion settlement. There, there are commentators that think that these companies should be taken out altogether. They should be broken up. Their stock should be sold and their leaders should be put in jail. But that never happens. They just pay these things off. They never admit anything. I've got a quote from Peter Rost, who's a former Pfizer marketing vice president. He said, it's scary how many similarities there are between this industry and the mob. Obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths, bribing politicians and others. The difference is all these people in the drug industry look upon themselves as law-abiding citizens. That's from his book, The Whistleblower. And there's a Park Davis CEO named Harry Loyne who said, if we put horse manure in a capsule, we could sell it to 95% of these doctors. And he was busy selling chloramphenicol, which was an antibiotic that killed many children. So why why do you think, and I this is where I've really noticed it come forth that we there's this group or there's this energy or there's this collective that are just so you know the medicine the science you know the, the, they're so stuck with the pharmaceutical concept that they don't see any other way and therefore in a lot of ways yes perpetuate what's happening with the big pharma is it just that their marketing machines are that good or is there something that is you know psychologically like why do we keep believing it is what i'm trying to say like why do we just go oh well you know is it just that their marketing is that good and their legal teams are that good <clears throat> well the it's essentially a pervasive it's the most effective and pervasive propaganda and censorship campaign that's ever been perpetrated in history it's an unbelievable scene and the profits from pharma fuel a lot of it, but the insanity is perpetrated by, see, all these companies have ownership in common. I mean, the, you know, Google and um, uh, Facebook and, and all these, the stock ownership is, is, is common and these ideas sort of get around somehow. And so they're, we're, what we're seeing, I'm almost inarticulate when I talk about it, but it, it's it's a fantastic blend of cutoff stories and manufactured stories. And we know, I mean, when I, I wrote Butchered by Healthcare, I understood that fake studies and fake news reports have been pharma's standard operating procedure for decades. And so 
you know, we all watched that marketing campaign against ivermectin. Ivermectin is the best right. COVID. What's that? I know. I totally. That one is the one that I was thinking of when yeah. you were talking. Yeah. All the horse, horse, uh, the horse drugs and all that stuff. Um, and it's a noble and it won a noble prize. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> right. It's it's non-toxic. It's very cheap. And they didn't want it. They didn't want it available for the perverse reason that if they had a treatment for COVID, they couldn't continue the emergency use authorization. So, I mean, there's a 2020 paper in the Lancet, which discredited hydroxychloroquine that was quickly discovered to be faked from start to finish. I always call this the once respected medical journal Lancet, right? The BMJ, British Medical Journal is still pretty good, but all the rest of the big four, big five medical journals are just shilling for pharma and they're just i mean they're just prostitutes and it's so and it's so hard then as as a layman so to speak to be able to ferret this out because no, really this is why so many people go but it's in this journal or it's being cited on the news or or you know um my my I get this one a lot. My son, my brother, my cousin, my sister is a doctor. And she says, you know, versus, you know, what, what, what it's, it's like, how do we trust? How the, do we find trust again? The strangest thing, uh, the strangest yeah. thing about this pandemic of misinformation and it's, it's misinformation that's foisted on us. Right. Um, is that the most educated people seem to be the most vulnerable to believing authority and the doctors often are completely blue pilled about the whole thing. Do you guys talk about red pill and blue pill? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're we're we we've seen the matrix, Lisa, and we can't right. we can't look back. So we let me explain. I never took the pill. That's my. I think that's my <laughs> my. You know, from the very onset of this, and we're actually going to have another conversation with someone um and the podcast in a few weeks where we're going to talk about that as a, as we're as wellness professionals as fitness professionals. You know, I just never saw it. It didn't, it never made sense to me from the day hour one. Uh, I've never worn a mask. I'm all, you know, I'm, 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 I would, I'm never say I'm anti-vax. I'm very much pro-choice with anything. So you do your research, figure out what works best for you. Um, and most of the time it, it does result in me not taking a vaccine because I'd rather trust my immune system. But at the same time, or look for other alternatives, like I went and find myself some ivermectin, which was very, very hard to get, by the way. Um, and uh, when I got COVID, I was able to, you know, turn that around pretty quickly. But for me, um, as you said, red pill, blue pill, it, that's what makes it really hard is because, you know, you've got the propaganda machines, you've got the, the, the legal teams, the marketing teams, and it's so hard for most of us because where do we put our trust? Where do we put our, our you know, our, our, yeah, where do we put our trust? How do we know what is, what is right for us and what's not? So what I'd love um, just before, because I really want you to answer that and give us some actual tips, because I know you have that in the book too. So we're going to do that. But before we do that, I want you to talk a little bit about, um, if you could, about cancer specifically. I know I'd love to talk about the mental health if we have enough time, but I know you covered in the book about cancer treatments. And just because, you know, you know, it's still, you know, other than heart disease, it's pretty much the second biggest killer of women, I would say cancer. Um, you know, and Alzheimer's is really big for women too. And I know you touched on that, but I really wanted you to talk about cancer a little and the the myths, truths and what you were able to to see. Okay, so the cancer doctors have a rough job. Um, they deal with people who are dying often and they deal with diseases that have poor treatments. Basically, we have about five to seven cancers we can treat and the rest of them, they give them toxic chemotherapy and they claim that the tumors are shrinking or something else, but it doesn't significantly prolong lifespan, right? But that's not the bad part. <laughs> the bad part is that cancer doctors have been permitted to take kickbacks from prescribing cancer drugs. Now, if you and I were doctors and I gave you a drug and said, look, retail this and take 20% off the top in America, that would be a crime called capping. And we could both go to jail for a felony. Right. But there's somehow been an exception given for 
um, the cancer doctors and the, the industry, whereas the industry is allowed to give them 20% off the top of any drug they sell. So this is what we call a conflict of interest, right? That's the kind way to put it. It's actually a bribe, in my opinion. It's also, it's a, it's a uh, kickback. Um, but that's, they're not, it's not technically defined as that. And it's legal in the United States. It's not well known by the other specialties, but the cancer doctors have, their income has escalated dramatically. And their goal is always to get a room full of Barca loungers where, and have, uh, have their cancer patients come in, you know, once a week or whatever it is and get these medications, which average at least a hundred thousand dollars a year, which they get 20% of. And in fact, some of the shots that they give out cost $10,000. And in three minutes, the doctor can make $2,500 or $2,000 because that's 20% of 10,000. So and, yeah, it's very it sick. There's no, yeah, there's no evaluation as to what works, right? Well, they, they get paid either way. Yeah, they get paid either way. The, you know, we have studies about these drugs, but they're incentive. There's a good rule of thumb that you should never use a drug that hasn't been on the market eight years. That's uh, worstpills.com. A Ralph Nader affiliate group uh, has that on their web website. And it makes sense because you really have no idea what post what it happened to the drug post-marketing. And we're seeing this play out with a currently widely distributed drug, which is, you know, people call the jab, which uh, which is, is yeah, it's it's like a year's worth of experience. And right now we are learning very few, like when you actually read the FDA, like the amount of people it's actually been tested on before they even applied for that emergency was like small thousands. Like well, small amount of thousands. It's an and not intricate one, not story. Not one of them under 18. Not one it's in that study. It's an intricate story. Whistleblowers are are bringing out the frauds involved in the in the studies. Among them, they switched the patients from the, the placebo control group into the active group. So we can never tell how well they work. But the post-marketing studies, <laughs> they've been done by our VAERS system, the vaccine adverse event uh, system. Yeah. And more recently, in the last three days, I mean, this this crazy scene, the news is new every day. Every, every week, there's a, these stunning revelations. But one of our senators had a hearings about uh, the military database. And these are not voluntary reporting. They're 100% of the complications of the military people, which are reported on a robust database, right? Yeah. And the whistleblowers are coming. Have you heard about this? No, I'm the really excited. It's I, stunning. I, I, I watch VARES a lot, yeah. and I would follow the VARES studies. Well, this, is, this one's exciting. This is much more clear than VARES uh, because it's 100% of the problems get reported and in great detail. And what we found is that there are a panoply of diseases that have gotten much, much worse in the military. Now, we know that the mortality or the overall deaths in United States have increased by about 40% in the year that the vaccine has been deployed, right? That we know from insurance company uh, data, and that is robust too. It's millions of people. It's not all the states reporting, but it's a sample that size is too big to deny. So that doesn't prove causality. So let me, yeah, so even just put that in context. So the year previous when we had COVID, but yet no vaccine, we're still having a 40% increase. Okay. Now, COVID, that, as far as I could tell, the first year, despite all the panic and all the excitement and everything else, COVID did not increase overall mortality. The death rate right. didn't go up a whit. We, you know, we, I think it's 8,000 people die a day in the United States every day. And yeah. that didn't change, but in 2021, it went up 40%, right? So this is circumstance. The only thing that, I mean, this couldn't all be due to, due to suicides and, and, and teenagers, uh, you know, shooting each other and violence and everything else it had to have been it's such a stunning difference that it had to have been done had had to have had to do with the the vaccine which is the uh, the the confounding factor the new the new factor but and it, this is strong information but stronger yet is this information that came out through whistleblowers in the US military of these military health records that have been now exposed and this stuff may it, it's it's powerful, powerful evidence that I hope will take down the um, conspirators that have put this uh, 
this uh, vaccine together. And you said you're not anti-vaccine. I'm tremendously anti-COVID vaccine. And I can tell you- Oh, I'm anti-COVID vaccine, but I'm yeah. not, I, I don't say I'm across the board. Well, let's, let's chat well, about that for a second. These yeah. guys have not put out a vaccine that's worth anything in the last 20 years. Okay, so we got the flu vaccine, which is widely used in US and Europe, which is worthless. You can go to Cochrane Reviews and understand that the flu vaccine perhaps decreases the flu symptomatology by a few hours, and it has no preventive effect against serious diseases like pneumonia, right? So it's worthless and has been a $100 billion effort over the course of all the deployed years. And the, the, the UK has been bullied into stockpiling flu vaccine, and it's usually last year's flu vaccine, just as mm -hmm. these most recent jabs are, you know, last months or, you know, six months ago, um, you know, in theory, they're, they're viable against those things. And point of fact, they never were any good against anything. So, and then we've got something like the HPV vaccine. You're familiar with that, the human papillomavirus vaccine. That's a cervical cancer. In, in theory, it produces a decrease in the cervical cancer rate, but that stuff doesn't work either. Japan had a look at the data and because 50% of the studies were concealed by the companies profiting on the HPV vaccine, Japan just trashed the entire effort and less than 1% of people in Japan are vaccinated. Most of us and most of you are vaccinated for HPV. And it's, it's, uh, it's senseless because, you know, I've got a rule when someone conceals something to me, they're lying. And obviously if they, they have a study that uh, knocks out some of the data, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a pail of garbage, you know? And so the, the, we have allowed these companies to do this. And so let me, let me get into the, how the FDA works with pharma and how, how this, uh, this whole thing comes around. Is that okay? Oh yeah, please. I'm, I'm like listening to every minute cause I'm, so, I'm enthralled. I'm enthralled. So the, the FDA, the food and drug administration, in the United States, uh, you know, and I would say it was at one point the most respected regulatory agency in the world. Now, since around 2003, over half of its $5 billion budget a year is paid directly by pharmaceutical companies. And as the wow. British know, he who pays the yeah. piper calls the tune, right? Yeah. And wow. the U.S. regulator wow. has similar issues. So these agencies now think of the companies as clients. And if the FDA refuses to approve some drug, they could have trouble making their own payroll. And so do you use this, do you use a sock puppet a metaphor in the in the UK. Yeah. These these companies are sock puppets. The, uh, the uh, FDA is so a sock basically puppet. Basically, somebody's hand up their butts. <laughs> well, well, yeah, like, we're on like, the air. We're on the air. This. You're supposed to keep it clean, yeah. right? <laughs> you're, yeah, you, no, you get sure. a you get a you get a pass because you're the host. Yeah. So the FDA, the managers know that fat salaries are, you know, huge salaries are waiting for them in the drug industry after they retire, if they cooperate. So the FDA and pharma, they shamelessly work together to fake the patent studies. You know, we require patent study, studies of the drugs in order to get the patents, uh, which gives them the exclusivity, which allows them to, uh, to make these huge, huge uh, 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 price tags. And so, you know, they use bad statistics, they hide studies that don't promote the drugs, and they corrupt foreign research contractors and a whole lot more. Here's another quote from Peter Gurchev, who's over on your side of the pond. He's one of the respect, most respected corruption commentators in the world. He said, the pervasive scientific misconduct has led to a research literature where one has to dig deeply to find the few gems among all the garbage. And there was a a July 2021 uh, British Medical Journal article, editorial, and the title was, Time to Assume That Health Research is Fraudulent Until Proven Otherwise. So this goes to your questions about what do we believe now? And believe I, I just, I mean, I look at a news source like CNN or even the Wall Street Journal, and I just, I mean, I don't waste my time on it. And I can get into some things your listeners can um, uh, go to for um, for their information if you'd like now, but we can save that for later. Well, I would love, yeah, I think what would be good now is 
I always like to say I don't like to leave them feeling in the poo or <laughs> in the shit. Like I feel like, you know, we you know, things are tough, things are confusing, things are corrupt. And a lot of us don't like to look at that because it does, you know, it scares the bejesus out of us. Um, so if we're just going to be like, okay, even if we're not taking on all of this negativity in terms of the energy of it, we do need to take some responsibility. We do need to take action ourselves. So how how would you, you know, steer someone to go, okay, how can you take responsibility now for your own medical care? Like how can you work your way through this other than what I like to talk about, which is preventative in terms of, you know, looking after immune system, longevity of life and all of the stuff that we teach on health and wellness. But I would love like, like, what can they do? What can somebody actually do or feel like if they're taking back some control for themselves? Good question. Now, the first thing we're, we're a little bit on a different size of these, this divide, right? I'm a standard uh, model and you're, you're an alternative person. And what I always say, what I, and I think we have more in common than, than we think, but what I always say is that just because there are problems in aircraft design, that doesn't mean that magic carpets fly. Right. So sorry. And also, I apologize for that, Lisa. No, but also it doesn't exclude it. I always think no. that there should be like an orchestra or a partnership of things. No, so it's not saying that that one is better or this one is worse. People will find their own team. They'll find their own team for their wellness. And I think that wellness needs a team, whether that be from, you know, biology, the biochemistry to structural to mental health to whatever. Right. So I always think that and I think sometimes that can even be an issue that people think it's it's either this or that versus it can be a you know, if you have a team and you you understand what you're doing with that team and everybody else understands what they're doing with that team, then it can work as an orchestra rather than it be. No, um, yeah, I, 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 I have that cute soundbite and I apologize for that. But I the more I study this stuff, the more I see therapies for cancers and all kinds of things that are being suppressed because they're not big money makers. And for example, there there are some theories that hyperthermia or getting your body temperature up to 103 or 104 degrees multiple times a week um, has wonderful health effects. And in fact, we have Swedish um, sauna studies where these these people that are in the sauna five days a week, they, they have very few problems and they live longer and they feel better. Um, and it's better at five days a week than three days a week. So, um, and then there are people who treat cancer by, you know, carefully monitoring their temperature and and putting them in hot boxes so i mean who knows about that i don't know whether the studies are any good but let's go on to the listeners resources quickly and there are wonderful things that we have that we didn't have three or four years ago um or certainly five years ago the first thing is trump for whatever you think of trump he did one thing that was really really good and that was he made a a proclamation or whatever they call them, an executive order that doctors could consult virtually for any patient without being censured by their medical boards, right? Prior to this, we were uh, sort of, uh, the, the standard of care was to do a good faith physical exam or an in-person exam. And there are, there are virtues to that because an experienced doctor can see things in a second in person that he can't see over the telephone. But Trump even let him talk on the phone and treat people, and that was considered reasonable in the time of COVID. So, and I think that's been continued, and it probably is reasonable uh, standard in, in UK and the rest of the world too. And the other thing that we have is we have virtual consultations, and uh, for a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, you can freaking go to Stanford, you can talk to the smartest guy in the room, right? And I'm, I'm not saying that all these academics are perfect, but they frequently have more of a clue than the local doctors. And if you have an unusual problem, you can get a consultation elsewhere and then have that doctor supervise or manage your local doctor because everybody has the same resources. The, the meds, medications are available everywhere. Um, it's just how you use them and what's the next step. And, um, 
the local doctors usually don't want to stand in the way of somebody from Harvard who tells them, he tells them to uh, go down to the corner store and buy some, uh, you know, ginseng or whatever it is, you know, I'm, I, that would, but be also I think there is this thing of, you know, general practitioner versus specialist. And for us, yes, you know, because our healthcare, she says in quotes is free um, we just think that they should, you know, they should be the people giving us the information. Quite often, we don't, you know, value or place a value ourselves on spending the extra time, money and effort on, you know, shortcutting that system, because obviously our referral based system is mental in terms of delay, especially now with COVID being in there as well so you know physio I, I have a friend who's got broken ribs right now a broken floating rib he's been in pain constantly for three months um finally got on the other side but I'm like are you getting any sort of physio for that or any sort of rehabilitation like how do you get you know it's putting a lot of pressure on one's whatever so for him it was like um, yes, he has gone down our traditional route, but now he's like, nah, I'm going to seek it out. Uh, you know, I'm going to get some referrals from people who I know who are physios in this field and X, Y, and Z. So, you know, they are going, they are going what we call going private and taking control of that because they can seek out those experts. And as you say, some of them will do it on the phone. They'll do it via, um, a lot of my um, healthcare practitioners do things on the phone right now. So that's amazing that we have that access and that we should avail of it and not just assume that the path that we have that's free or you know, the system as it's written is the best system for us. Well, I, I hate to quote an American movie, but it seemed to have some element, elements that some people might call British humor, right? And I don't know whether you remember this kind of bad science fiction movie called Waterworld. Yes. And what they said in Waterworld was, um, let's see if I remember, there's nothing free in Waterworld. So there's nothing free in, in our world either. You pay for it one way or the other. Yeah. So yeah. what are the resources you're listeners can go to to get better information right that's that's the quick question that i'm gonna i'm gonna point them in some directions and you can use use the links or they can um yeah, you know you, you can go send to your me website the links. that would be great and i'll put it on our show notes so this thing are you familiar with this book yes okay so this book is a worldwide bestseller it's so probably the book he's just for us that are listening the book that he's holding up is the real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy. Yeah. Yes. And so this thing has been a worldwide bestseller. It's probably the number one worldwide bestseller, but it's not supported by the quote mainstream media unquote. So it's not, it's claimed that New York times has obscured the, their, their uh, uh, mechanism for determining what is the number one bestseller. And I'll bet it's the, still the number one bestseller. This thing has, six or seven thousand five-star reviews on amazon and it tells the story of the pandemic from start to finish and is the easiest single doorway for your listeners into the truth about this stuff if if they are already into the podcast which i'm going to get to in a second um i this book it's it's easy to read it's available for three dollars on kindle and I'm shilling for it, but I don't make a dime on this thing, of course. So um, the other sources of information, if you like podcasts better, RFK Jr. has a podcast on um, children's health defense, which is his uh, his uh, platform. Perfect. And then the Bregans wrote another book, um, and that's called uh, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey, right? And it's... It's it's a fantastic description of exactly what's happening if you can can tolerate uh, uh, understanding the truth about it. I mean, it's 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 worse than I've said. And um, they wrote this thing and published it six, seven, eight months ago. And I mean, they they just strictly used sources that are available on the internet, and they they track the uh, the origins of this whole thing. So the and they have a podcast also which is very very good bregan.com b-r-e-g-g-i-n.com the children's self-defense 
they have a TV show and they've got, um, uh, you know, a podcast and uh, all kinds of blogs. Now, the third source, which I heavily recommend, is Mercola, M-E-R-C-O-L-A.com. Mercola comes out with a new article every day almost, and it just, I mean, it's just stunning information. Well put together, pretty well written, and I actually read some of these there. He puts them off copyright because he doesn't care. He just wants to spread the information. He puts them off copyright immediately, and I read some of those into a podcast, and if you'd rather listen to them, you can go to my podcast, um, and you can find that at my website. Oh, I will, yeah, I got that on the show notes too. So robertyohoauthor.com. Yeah. Um, so th- those are those are some uh, basic resources where you can learn about what's going on. Yeah, and I think like I know that it's it's a cliche to say that knowledge is power, but I'm a, a true believer in that. The more the more um, you know, yes, we may be we may be tarred by a conspiracy theorist. A tin hat brush for researching, for investigating, for reading, for looking into it. But I've got to the point now personally where that doesn't phase me at all. But also, yes, it does require you to have some sense of courage to, to want to, as you say, if you can tolerate looking at that information. But at this moment in time, I believe that where where humanity is with regards to our health care, with regards to our medical care, that we need to take responsibility first and foremost. It, it starts and stops with us um, it, with being able to f- make informed choices. So the more inf- information we can get from different sources and being open to look at those different sources, the better. So that's what I'm hoping that this podcast has been for you, for you listeners today is literally it's just about knowing that what happens when you scratch the surface and go, you know, not just follow the step-by-step system of, of what's been um, just fed with the, with, the, with the corrupted marketing machines uh, that are out there. And as you know, like big pharma, big tech and media, you know, um, I was reading, um, uh, I think it was, I was on a podcast. It was the show notes of a podcast and he just, literally showed me showed us all how much big pharma was affecting the media in terms of how much investment the fda how much it was in the government literally it was just it was like i could almost see tentacles (laughs) if i was visualizing it so it's really for you to you know as a as an adult as a person responsible for you and your family for you to go and seek out the information for you and not just um not just always believe what you see and hear. Um, I suppose that's where I want to get to because there's people like Robert here trying to get the truth out. So thank you so much for coming on and, and being our um, our truth teller today. And I will 100% link to the to the book and we will. I would love to double back and have the conversations about the hormones because I know that that's a big one. Um, um, and one of my drivers, you know, in terms of my own mum um, who had really bad links between HRT and getting cancer and later life and things like that. So I would love to to dive into that at another time. Um, so where, so I know that um, Robert's not conventionally on social media. Normally at this point in our conversation, I always say, where can they go and find you? But I will 100% share the link to your book, the link to your podcast and the link to your website, because Robert's not on social media. You can understand why right not just because he says i'm 68 no that's not the <laughs> that's not the main reason i'm sure you could figure it out but also because a lot of the social media channels that we use just wouldn't let you publish what you chat about really so the censorship yeah. is pervasive yeah oh it's oh yeah i know i have a i i've been shadow banned a few times myself so i have to and but my business is online so i have to find a nice balance with my um with my truth seeking and it's hard it's a hard balance but this is me being brave this year and getting more deep into these sorts of conversations because it needs to be said the the truth needs to get out so thank you robert for doing that and for coming on today i will share in the show notes how they can connect with you and um 
I, I, I literally loved your book so much. So thank you for spending the time. And yeah, for those of you that think that this information needs to be shared out, hit that share button, hit subscribe. We would love to get this message out and to help empower others. So thank you so much. And thank you, Robert. Th thank you, Lisa. I mean, what an episode. Ugh, I know it can help you um, because you now feel like you have the information, but I also wanted to check in with you at the end of this podcast to make sure that you were taking the information in the intention that it was intended. Uh, in terms of understanding that sometimes it's not what it seems, right? And knowing this and having this information, I'm hoping empowers you to take the next step to do some research for yourself to begin to investigate so that you can make the best choices for you and for your family this is all we want for you right we just want you to know that you have choice that you have the ability to take responsibility for your own health and for that of your family's health so i'm going to pop in the show notes all the ways that you can find out more about this access those those first couple of chapters um, that Dr. Yoho had for you and how you can connect and listen to his podcast if you want to dive deeper um, and um, just to start to begin to understand you know, wh where you can go from here, right? So of course, as always, I would love to hear what you thought about today's episode. Um, you know, what ahas did you have? How did it, you know, how, how are you feeling right now with regards to this information? And of course, as ever, if you need help, support, do just reach out. You can hit reply um, and email us at hello at warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com. As always, slide into my DMs on Instagram, Lisa underscore Barwise, or you can reach out to us in any way on our website um, as you're going through this information. Um, and maybe you need to share this out. Maybe this is something that others need to hear as well as you're, as you're starting to, you know, unravel and learn this new information. Um, you know, it, it's good to share if you think that it's something that somebody else near and close to you needs to know about as well. So we are, we are done for today's episode, um, but we will be back same time, same place next week. And I look forward to cracking open some amazing content. Um, and we have some more guests coming your way over the next couple of weeks as well. All right. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. And I'll see you same time, same place. Bye for now.